I can't, I can't marry some of you young, uh, younger ones off. So how about a brother and sister want to stand in you, as, a, as a couple? All right. Okay, you will? All right. You're Pam and Joe. All right, you're a couple. You're a couple. Stand up there. Oh, let's go. All right. And you got to get a wife. <laughs> no, I need some more. Uh, I'd be a great wife, actually. I need some more couples here. Where, uh, I have a couple. All my couples left. I have a couple. Is that that one over there? Okay. <laughs> well, you guys, this is this is a this is a really big one. Oh. So, this is a tragic story. So you up for it? Okay. Yeah. Go up there. But it's a glorious story. All right. You could be Jeff. How's that? All right. Who's the who's the youngest brother and sister here? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, where's Charlie? All right, I told you you could be Jenna. All right, you get up there. All right. All right. just talk we're not going to do those ones all right so well that took a little while okay what I'm what I'm going to do is these are these are actually real people and I'm going to tell you how they came to the Lord all right and like about how old they were when that happened and then I'm going to tell you where they're at today and hopefully I'll do it really quick all right all right. We almost married you off to your brother, Grace, but you weren't in here. So, okay. Okay, I'll just stand back here, and you guys can look. We'll start over here. This is Jeff, okay? So Jeff uh, is a guy that was in our church, and he, uh, he was the president of the county four-wheel drive club. The, the root, it's called the, we, we're, have you ever seen a Jeep that's called the Rubicon Jeep? That's where we lived, in the this, in this Sierra Nevada, that's where our church was. So the Rubicon was a big wilderness area where people go four-wheeling. So we were having, we had a four-wheel drive um, group, small group at our church, and they would go out and, and so forth. So anyway, we had this kind of hill, there's no hills here in, in Houston, you know, the highest spots are freeway overpasses but we had a, we have about a uh, it's probably about as high as these signs are and it was steep 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 it was the side of our driveway for the church and all our four-wheel drivers our four-wheel feelers they just drive straight up these and park up like this like at a 45 degree angle and so they were all parked there's about 20 of them parked up there and uh, Jeff screams in here and he goes are you having a four-wheel drive club we said no we're having a picnic and so he had never been to church in his life he started going to our outings. Long story short, uh, he started coming to church, uh, brought his wife. And after about a year of going to church, he met me at the back door, gave me a big hug, and he said, I said yes to Jesus today, and I meant it. So that's Jeff, all right? Four-wheel guy. <laughs> no, you got to stay up there. <laughs> Otherwise, these, the last one up here will feel very uh, lonely. So... Uh, and she, hold on to your signs, too. Don't, don't throw them away when you sit down. So the next one is Jenna. Jenna was, uh, when we went up to the church there, uh, there was two uh, uh, young girls in our youth group. Because there's only 25 people in the church. And Jenna and her younger sister were in the youth group. And Jenna was 15, 
and she, um, she, she grew up. She came to Jesus. She grew up in, in a household where her parents brought her to church every week. They told her about Jesus. They prayed together as a family and taught her the word of God. And at a young age, uh, she gave her heart to Christ. And sometimes we think, oh, that's not a great testimony. You've got to be like a murderer or, a, you know, something like this. I'll tell you what, the best testimony is, is young people growing up in, in households uh, where, where parents uh, lead them and they don't fall away and they keep serving Jesus and they power on through. It's not a rule that you have to fall away and then come back. All right? It happens a lot, but you don't have to do that. You can just power on straight through. So Jenna, sweet girl, she's a babysitter uh, when we first got there. And then we got Deborah. Deborah was, uh, Deborah is, uh, she's a tough cookie because she's a California Highway Patrol. Uh, she's, a, she's a captain. And right now, she actually got her dream job on the California uh, Highway Patrol. She is now a mounted police around the state capitol. And so she's pretty, pretty uh, tough, tough girl. And then we got Craig. Uh, Craig, oh, Deborah. Um, um, Deborah um, grew up going to church and loving God, and she fell away from the Lord. And she was, she got married uh, to a guy who was not saved. And uh, so, anyway, that's Deborah. Then Craig. Craig is a guy. Uh, had two two young girls in school, and uh, has. And they're not young anymore. They were had, they were young. So Craig um, met another father. You know how fathers meet. Sometimes it's mostly the mothers, but the fathers meet at school, drop off their daughters. They became friends. And somebody from our church invited Craig to come to church. And uh, Craig, um, who is also a CHP officer, he came. And he's one of the nicest guys in the world, but he never gave his heart to Christ. And one, uh, one Sunday morning, after he'd been coming to church about six months, uh, it was Easter morning. And I don't always give, like, a salvation call for people to raise their hands, you know, because people really uh, need to want to come to Christ and not us push them into coming to Christ. Uh, but I said, does anybody here want to give their heart? You really know what that means. You want to give your heart to Christ today. And, you know, sometimes people put their hand up just tentative, tentatively. He put his hand all the way up. He's he's six foot four guy. Said, I want, I want <laughs> Jesus. I want Jesus. And um, so the next one we got is Tad. Tad was a young person. He was 17 when we went to when we went to the church, and he stopped going to church about a year earlier. And he was in high school and just got busy. And stopped, his parents had brought him to church all his life. He stopped going to church. But right after we got there, there was a youth group uh, that was forming and starting. And so he got in there, and he recommitted his life to the Lord. And now uh, Tad is uh, on our first church plant in San Jose. He went with the ch all the people that went down to there, and he's their worship leader. Now he's married and has a couple little kids. So that's Tad. Then we have Tyler. Uh, Tyler was a young man in our community. It's kind of a sad story. Uh, he was uh, 15, I think, and he was at his friend's birthday party, and they were at a paintball field. You know, sometimes you guys go play war games at a paintball. Have you ever done that or seen that on whatever? So he's there, and uh, while they were done, he was unscrewing the air canister on his paint gun, and it had a faulty valve on it. And as he unscrewed it, it popped away and shot straight parallel on the ground about, about three feet high, about this high. It's like, like this. It was like a missile. And at the exact same moment that the birthday boy's mother bent down to pick something up, it hit her in the side of the head and killed her on the spot. So how would you like that to happen when you're 15 years old? 15 years old. It was totally an accident. He was not charged with anything. The, the family were believers, and the dad came and hugged him and, you know, that kind of stuff. But Tyler was not a Christian, but one of our uh, youth group worked at that place and brought him, you know, surrounded him with friends, friends who love Jesus. Within a couple weeks, uh, Tyler received uh, the Lord. His mom also came to church. She received the Lord. And now Tyler is 
the lead pastor of the second church that we planted out in Northern California. He's leading a church, and he's got a wife and three, three little kids now. So the next one is Joe. Joe was the, uh, he's kind of like the scientist in high school, the intellectual, and uh, he's meticulously inventive. Yeah, <laughs> put those on. There you go. There's Joe. He's, he's very, very studious. <laughs> Joe didn't know if he uh, believed in God or not. He was kind of an agnostic, and uh, he, he, you know, he just didn't give it much thought. But, you know, one of the greatest evangelistic uh, tools in churches are, are cute high school and junior high school girls who love Jesus passionately because the guys start flocking. And uh, Joe liked one of the girls in the youth group, and, of course, we were all wary about that. Uh, but he came in, he heard the gospel message, he submitted his life to Christ, and he, his life uh, is full on. So Joe now uh, is uh, leading the church that I just turned over. And so he's the lead pastor there at Westside Church. So um, Pam uh, was a young mother. And a friend of hers uh, invited her to church uh, not long after we went, uh, went to Northern California, a young mother. Had a little daughter, uh, I think she's about a year and a half old. And uh, she and her husband and daughter started coming to the church. Pam had never been in church a day in her life. And uh, she gave her heart to Christ and she started reading her Bible. She know, knew so little about the Bible that she started reading in the New Testament. Somebody told her to read in the New Testament. And she read that Mary was a virgin and had the baby Jesus. And she goes, I never heard that before. And she called up another friend and said, is this true? Is this, you know, this is in the Bible? That's what, that's what that means? And she knew nothing. So she was like a sponge just soaking up the word of God and soaking up this new found faith of hers. And now she's a very uh, accomplished and she's, she's a capable uh, woman who loves God and knows the word of God. And is she's leading a, a, a community group in her house now with her husband. Next we have Joan. Joan uh, came to the church because somebody invited her at the grocery store. She was at the tomatoes. And she and her friend uh, were talking. And uh, somebody came over and said, I heard you were looking for a church. And so she said, I'll come and pick you up. So Joan was 70 years old at the grocery store. So put, put your best 70 on. Put your best 70 on right now, just like 70. Yeah, okay, all right, there you go. So, and I'll tell you what, she was, she's the sweetest, funniest uh, lady that you ever meet. And then so she came, and we had our partnership class. About a month later, she came in the partnership class, and I'm, I'm talking to them, and I'm talking to to them about the plan of salvation and what we believe and why we believe it, da, 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 da. And I just felt the Lord whisper in my ear, slow down. Just slow down. And I just paused and I looked up and Joan was sitting there on the front row with a tear coming down her face. I said, Joan, what's, what's going on? She goes, I've gone to church all my life and I've never understood this before. I said, Joan, do you want to receive Jesus right now? And she said, I do. She gave her heart to Jesus. I don't know if you guys know what a miracle it is for an older person to come to Christ. Because statistics tell us that 85% of people who come to Jesus, 85%, that's a lot, come to Jesus between four, the ages of four and 14. 85% between, it's called the 414 window. And it's a big deal. The older you get, the less likely it is that people will turn their, their lives over to Christ. That's a miracle. Joan's, Joan's a sweetheart. Then we have Olivia. Olivia was about a year old when we came to Westside. And a sweet little girl. And uh, she grew up in the life of the church, gave her heart to Jesus. Everybody loves her, fell in love with her. And now she's a young uh, woman. She's working uh, in her, she's earning her master's degree in physical therapy. She wants to become a sports 
physical therapist, like for a professional sports team or something like that, and uh, representing Jesus in her sphere of influence. Then we have Patty. Patty um, was a young uh, woman, young married woman in our church, and about just a little before we got there, Patty, Patty um, had a tragedy. She was working downtown Placerville. It's a little old-fashioned downtown, and it's just outside the city, but that little town looked kind of old-fashioned. And uh, She and her friend were walking during their lunch break, and a guy pulls up in a car, points a gun at him, and says, get in the car. And so they did what they shouldn't have done. They got in the car. You're supposed to, nowadays they tell you just scream and run as fast as you can. In fact, they used Patty as an example, and Patty has spoken to police agencies and things like that about that now, but it's tragic. The guy took her and her friend up in the hills, assaulted them, and then shot them both in the back of the head. And her friend died, and Patty miraculously survived. He thought, the murderer thought she was dead, uh, but she wasn't. She still has a bullet in her cheek that they can't get to. It's right here. And um, she had just become a Christian. And she's in the hospital, and the, the friends of ours went and played worship music and prayed with her, and she recovered. And the miracle where she is today is she's a mom of six kids, and uh, she is free. She has no bitterness. That did not become her identity. Her identity is in Christ, and she's totally and completely free. And uh, Jesus, you know, sometimes bad things happen, and are we going to live in that? pain, or are we going to allow Jesus to heal us? It's an amazing thing. And so then we have Mike. Mike was a agnostic, certified, maybe a atheist and in the <laughs> church. <coughs> an, atheist, an atheist does not believe in God. An agnostic doesn't know if there's a God or not. All right? So if you're a uh, dyslexic agnostic, you're not sure if there's a dog or not. So anyway, that's a joke. It's a joke for the high schoolers. So, so Mike was an atheist. He was a scientist. You know, he's like Stephen on Nazi Libre. I believe in science. And uh, his wife was actually not well for a while, so he had to drive her to church for a year and a half. He sat in the back, just like Bud is right now with his arms folded, uh, every, every Sunday for a year and a half hearing the gospel, eventually, he said yes to Jesus. And now he's been leading worship in, at Westside Church uh, for over 20 years. He's the main worship leader. And God does miraculous things with people. It doesn't matter where you're from or what's happened to you and those kind of things. So if you guys will hold on to those signs and uh, uh, take your seats. Like, oh, Joey. Joey. Everybody always forgets. No, Joey is... Uh, Joey is a um, football fanatic, and his wife invited him to church, and he goes, I'm not going to church because I'm not missing football. This was in the days before DVRs and, you know, recording and things like that. And he goes, I'm not giving up football. She invited him, invited him, invited him, and finally goes, all right, I'll come once. I'll come once, and I'm not ever going to go back again. So he came once and never missed a Sunday in the last 22 years. And uh, he uh, had never been to church before. He, he got discipled. He said yes to Jesus. He said yes. He said yes. He said yes. He read the Bible through. He studied. And uh, he started a small group in his house, community group. And then he, he, he became um, a leader in the church. And eventually he came on eldership. He just stepped off recently. He was an elder for over 14 years uh, in the life of the church. So God does miracles. And like what was said tonight, God, each one of you is a miracle. The greatest miracle is a changed life. All right? Yes, we like to see the, the stuff. And, and uh, where's Melissa? She just went out. Oh, she just cut out on us. Here's the thing. You know what the difference between a major miracle and a minor miracle is? A major miracle 
is a miracle that happens to you. A major miracle is a miracle that happens to you because that becomes your story and nobody can take it away. You know. You know that God did it, and that's a major miracle. So all these guys had miracles happen, and all you have had miracles. So thanks, you guys. Let's give them a hand. All right. Let's do a little bit of review from last night. These are the verses we read last night. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word is Jesus. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Let's continue on. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So who's the author of this book we're reading? John. So who's he talking about? No, he's not talking about himself. There's another guy named John. This is John. The guy who wrote the Gospel of John was Jesus' disciple John. This is a different John. He came, verse 7, as a witness to bear, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Anybody think they know who that John is? Now, John, the apostle, wrote the Gospel of John. He also wrote the letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So here's 1st John. This is years, years later. This is toward the end of the first century. All the other apostles were dead. John was the last one to live. Because you know how old John was when Jesus chose him as an apostle? Do you know about? About 14. Most of the disciples were under 20. Most of the disciples when Jesus called them were under 20. A lot of people don't really realize that. Remember when, when uh, Peter said, Jesus, we have to pay the temple tax. And Jesus told Peter... Go catch a fish, you'll find two gold coins and pay the tax for you and for me. The temple tax was only charged to guys older than 20. So that's an indicator that possibly a lot of them were very young. That was normal in those days. Jesus was the old dude. He was 30. That's just, you know. I'm, I'm telling you, young people, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, you'd be married with a couple kids probably already. That's how the world has been for thousands of years. And you're living in a bubble here at the end of the age. And I'm not advocating getting married. I'm just saying it's different. And so most of the disciples were younger. He's talking about uh, uh, John the baptizer. This is the message we heard from the beginning. Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And then John in the gospel continues. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So this is John. A lot of people call him John the Baptist. He wasn't a Baptist. He wasn't a Presbyterian. He wasn't a Lutheran. The better translation is John the Baptizer. All right, he did baptize people. So that's where he got that name. But sometimes we think, oh, he was a Baptist, like the denomination. No, he was a guy that baptized people. And his job was not to be the light, but to bear witness of the light that is coming. Who is the light coming? Jesus. It also happened to be his cousin. Jesus and John the baptizer were cousins. Verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So John the baptizer is out there baptizing people and saying, there's a guy coming. I'm not even worthy to tie the, 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 the shoelaces on his feet. And, and, and he's, he's the one about whom the prophets foretold. John was the witness about Jesus to come. You know what? That's our job, too. It's our job to be a witness about the light. Who's the light? Jesus. All right? It's always a good bet. The light is Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. When you ask kids at Sunday school... Any question, the first thing they'll say is, Jesus. All right? It's a good, good 
bet to use that one. So John the baptizer, his job was to bear witness about the light. That's our job too. So last night we talked about the light being searching around our hearts, every nook and cranny, right? And you guys have done awesome. I'm, I'm really, really impressed with you guys allowing Jesus to, and the Holy Spirit to search your hearts and, and to say yes to him. I want to grow in you, and I want to be all you've called us to do. So last night, the focus was, what do we do here? And tonight, we're going to talk about the, the light being projected out to the world. So we're going to do a little thing here, and I'm going to give you a little bit of an illustration and I might have to drop the mic. Um, George, could you help me out? Could you take that blue tape off that thing? All right. And just open it up. All right. All right. I've got a mirror here. Thanks. So. Where's uh, Adam? My briefcase is over here again. You get to do your job. Well, you get to stand at the back tonight. All right, he's going to help me out. I have a mirror here, and Adam is going to shine the light on this mirror when I reflect it um, back to you. He's going to go to the back of the room. Probably the bigger one's better. Yeah, it's a little bit brighter than the one last night. So he's going to turn the flashlight on, and I'm going to set this down here, and hopefully you can still hear me. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. You got it on? Okay. You can pull it all the way out in the front so it focuses right on me. Ooh. All right. Here we go. You ready for the reveal? Okay. grandson. I got his permission to do this. And uh, what's wrong with this picture? Who's being reflected to the world? George. So if Jesus is shining his light on George and George is reflecting himself, is he doing the job that God's called him to do? So if, if you're always praising yourself and putting yourself out there, you're not doing what God's God didn't call you to project yourself out there. He called you to reflect him. And so you begin to strip away. Poor little George. Five years old there. All right. And so the Holy Spirit starts, you start confessing things. You start All right, so hopefully you remember that illustration. You don't want to reflect you, you want to reflect Jesus. So the Great Commission, have you ever heard that phrase before? It's the Great Co-mission. It's his mission. And we are co-laborers. We are on co-mission with him. Does that make sense? Matthew 28, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go... Therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That word nations, the Greek word is ethnos, all ethnicities, 
every people group in the world. And it's not just countries, it's every people group. And there's about 7,000 or so people groups in the, in, in, the, in the world. And so then Jesus says this, baptizing them, make disciples. That's, our, that's our, our job, make disciples. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Little little side note here. Remember I said last night that it's really difficult to understand that God is three and one at the same time. Here's here's the verse that shows that he is. Baptize them in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, that's three names. But the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, eternally existent in three persons. Teaching them to observe or to obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the great commission. Our job is to make disciples. Our job is to reflect Jesus out there, not ourselves. So what is making disciples? Well, some um, teachers say that there's 12 steps. Some say there's three steps. Some say there's eight steps. And so I've got uh, five here. And I'm not going to argue on the number, but this is, there's a process to becoming a disciple of Jesus. Number one, you've got to become a follower of Jesus yourself. If you want to be a disciple and follow Jesus, first of all, you have to say yes to him, receive him. John uh, 1.12, but as many as received him to those he gave the right to be called the children of God. You've got to say yes to Jesus. You've got to become a Christ follower yourself. That's where you say yes to Jesus. That's where you ask him to forgive you uh, of all your sins, and he will raise you up and call you his own, call you his his child. He'll forgive all your sin, wipe it away. And I'm so thankful that you have times like this. This, this is often retur- referred to as a mountaintop experience uh, in our lives. And it, it's, every day isn't like this, because every day can't be like this. It's not reality. You've got, you're on the mountaintop, and you've got to go down the mountain. You've got to go through the valley and through the trees and the forest and the swamps. That's like going back to school on Tuesday morning, right? Because Monday's a holiday. So that's going down. But when you're at the top of the mountain, you can see the next peak way out there. And so you go down and you kind of lose sight of that next peak, but you keep going. You keep following Jesus, even though sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's more difficult, but we keep our eyes on Jesus uh, the whole time. So the next thing you got to do is you need to build a solid foundation in your life. And that's through the word of God, through prayer, through worship times. And re- just remember, the word of God is like a mirror. It, it's, it's not a telescope. When I'm reading the word of God and it tells me not to do something, I'm reading the word of God. It's a mirror for me. It's not a telescope where I look, oh, see the word of God says you can't do this. And you're looking at everybody. See the word of God? No, 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 no. You use the Bible for yourself, a mirror. It's not a telescope that we look at it. Let them use the word of God as a mirror for them. Does that make sense? We don't use the Bible to go around condemning people. So then, after that, we want to grow in our love for God, and that's a lot of things. We grow in community together, and we obey his, learn how to obey his commands, and we learn how to share our faith with others, with friends. This is a growth process. And then we, we go about building godly friendships and and in community, we find accountability where we um, know each other. Good community means that I let people know me and I know them. And then we go through the process of discipling others. The word disciple is the same word as discipline. So put those, we, if we put those all up there at once, there's five things there. Don't do numbers four or uh, two through uh, five, don't even start thinking about those until you've done number one. Don't, don't try to become a good person in, the, in word and prayer and worship if you don't know Jesus. First, let yourself be introduced to Jesus. So then once you've said yes to Jesus and you are a Christian, then work on, on two, three, and four for the rest of your life. It's not like I've achieved. All right, I am discipled now, and I know everything, all right? And don't, don't work on number five until you're doing pretty good on those number four. You can, you can start on number five, but you also want to be committed to growing yourself. You don't want to disciple somebody else if your life is a mess. 
Say you've said yes to Jesus, but there's still a whole lot of stuff that he's working on. All right? You don't want to reproduce that. You want to let God be working in your life. And then, like Paul, you say, come and follow me as I'm following Christ. Does that make sense? So, is each one of you called to do all those steps with other people? Maybe, maybe not. Might depend on our gifting. It, uh, the Bible says um, that one waters and uh, one plants and one cultivates, but it's God who brings the increase. So together we can disciple people for sure. And sometimes one of us can take one other person and disciple them all the way start to finish. But sometimes it takes three or four of us to help disciple one person start to finish. Does that make sense? We don't want to get all legalistic about that and stuff. But we want to be, our part is to be part of the Great Commission. We're all involved in helping people come through to maturity in Christ. So, here's a couple verses. And we're going to actually start wrapping it up, which it's actually a long wrap-up. So, Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. This is a verse for anybody who's a teenager. Do everything without complaining and arguing. That's actually all for all of us. There's another one I do that sometimes. It's, it's the one where it says, children obey your parents, and mothers do this, fathers do this. And I said, yeah, actually, there's another verse here for teenagers. It says, slaves obey your masters. So that's that one. So... The adults are laughing. The kids are going, uh, what? Are you taking that out of context? Yes, I was. Okay, listen carefully. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Because if you do stuff badly, they're going to look at you and say, I don't want anything to do with that Jesus that they talk about. Because your life is a mess. Why would I want to follow Jesus if this is the result? Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Here it is. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. You want your light to shine brightly. And I'll tell you what, when we gather together in community, when we come to church services together, if we're all holding up a candle, uh, honestly, I'm telling you, one candle in a room full of candles doesn't make all that much difference. It's fun because it's nice and bright, but one candle in a dark room makes all the difference. When you're out there and it's dark, hold your candle up high. Sometimes that's all people can see. Don't hide your candle. One candle can shine brightly the darker it is. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, Jesus said to his disciples... You are the light of the world. That same light, that intense light that penetrates our heart and, and, and looks in every, every corner, every closet and drawer and, and is so drawing and inviting for us and, and brings us freedom. That same light, we can reflect it to the world who desperately needs Jesus also. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel basket. Instead, the lamp is placed high on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Your good deeds. Do you know in the book of Acts, it says, it says this about Jesus. I love this phrase. It's so simple. Jesus went about doing good. Jesus went about doing good. And if you're a Christ follower, that should be said about you. You went about doing good. Is it always easy to do good? Nope. Do people irritate you sometimes? You go, I'm going to do good for you, you, you. No, not you. I'm going to do it for you, you, and you. No, we don't do that. We, everybody. We do good to all. Let your light so shine before everyone that they see your good works. And the result is this. This is the important thing. So that God gets the glory. So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. All right, so there's different ways that you can do good deeds. And right now we're talking about uh, disciples. 
thought I had tape on my foot. Have you ever walked out of the restroom and you had like 12 feet of toilet paper stuck to your? That's no fun at all. All right. Especially if somebody gets a picture of it. All right. I'm going to ask the guys and gals that have those signs if they'll come back up again and just stay toward the sides. Leave all the whole center open, okay? We'll get set up for this next thing here. Jenna, come up right here. I'm going to call you by your stage names. This is Jenna, the 15-year-old who just loved Jesus. Jenna was a babysitter when we moved to Placerville. She babysat for a couple named, uh, where's Joey and Pam? And their daughter, and their daughter, Olivia. No, get together. You're married now. Okay, so. All right. And Olivia, you're 18 months old. Okay. Jenna babysat for Olivia. Uh, Joy and Pam said, um, Jenna, we want our daughter to grow up like you because you're so nice. <laughs> Jenna, why are you so nice? And at this stage of her life, Jenna was like, I love Jesus. That's what her answer was. I love Jesus. Is that very theologically deep? Could you write a book about that? You could, actually. <laughs> but that's what her answer was. And she goes, my family goes to church. She goes, do you want to go to church with us? It took a little bit of guts, but they said yes. Remember, he was the football. He was the football guy, never wanted to go to church, said he'd never go again. Pam was the, the new believer when she got saved, said yes to Jesus. She didn't know anything about the Bible. Olivia is growing up into a young woman who loves Jesus. Because Jenna said, I love Jesus. So, where's, uh, where's Tad? Tad, come back up here. Right up here. Okay, Tad was the guy in the youth group that had not been going to church for a year. Jenna grabs him by the throat and says, Tad, we got to start a youth group. You need to come back to church. <laughs> okay, it's easier for young people to talk to each other that way than to talk to adults that way, right? So anyway, she, she says, Tad, we could do this. So she got her, her younger sister, Emily and Tad, the three of them were the youth group. And that group attracted others. So Tad happened to be working where his job was at a paintball, paintball farm. And there was a young man named Tyler. Tyler come and stand next to Tad. Tad puts his arms around Tyler and prays with him on the spot and ask God to help him walk through this tragedy. Tyler, or Tad and a couple of others in the youth group um, brought Tyler in, and Tyler gave his heart to Jesus in just a couple of days. Tyler's best friend since he was in kindergarten was Joe. So he asked Joe to come, start coming to the youth group, and Joe came, sat up next to Tad. So these guys were key in the life of the youth group. Now uh, Joe... And um, Tyler are leading churches. Tad's leading worship in our new church plant. It's a pretty amazing thing. So um, Pam is at the grocery store, and she overhears Joan saying she doesn't have a church to go to. Just stand in front of Pam or behind Pam or something. It's like a tree. We're building a tree here. See that? And Joan, 70 years old, gets saved. Joan's husband, Tom, who's also 70, he got saved. It's pretty amazing. Both Joan and Tom are with Jesus now. And it's just glorious. 
that their last years, their last 15, 18 years, they love Jesus with all their heart. Such an amazing thing. So then um, uh, Joey, um, his daughter, Olivia, is starting to grow up. Okay, you're 10 now. All right, there. All right, so <laughs> Craig's two girls and Deborah's two girls start going to the same school. And um, Joey meets uh, Craig, so you can go over there. Craig's, Craig gets saved a few years later, puts his Deborah, who I forgot to say, Deborah had been praying for Craig to come to Jesus for 10 years. And it happened, so go stand by your husband, because he gave his life to Jesus. Your marriage is rock solid and strong now. Got two great girls. So Craig came to me a couple years later with a couple other guys in the church, and they said, we want to start a four-wheel drive club, because that's what we love to do. We want to start outreaching um, to people. So Jeff swings by the church, thinking that we're having some kind of four-wheel drive meeting, and uh, they said, come, come start going to church. His eyes are wide open like saucers. And he gave his heart to Jesus too. See all that? It's amazing. All from Jenna. And all she did, what did she say? I love Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Oh, but you see, two people are on the side. So Jenna's dad was Mike. He was the atheist. Come and stand right in front of Jenna. You got to stand right in front of her. Right in front of her. Mike was the atheist who gave his heart to Jesus. And his wife, Patty, and Patty, remember she was the one that was shot and left for dead and chose to live a life of freedom, which she couldn't drive for a year and a half, so her husband had to drive her to church. And sit in the church until he heard the gospel and said yes to Jesus. This was before they had kids. Jenna's their oldest child. So they loved Jesus and they raised Jenna up to love Jesus. And you see how little conversations, just little. Oh, you can come to our church here in the grocery store by the tomatoes. You can come to our church. Or a tra tragedy happens and you just pray and put your arms around somebody. Bring them in to a safe place. This is the beginnings of discipleship, how you can bring others in. And, and then it's, this is the beginning of discipleship because then we want to grow together in community and learn how to love God's word and, and, and to worship together and to pray together and those kind of things. But it's not that difficult. You can invite somebody at school. You can put your arm around them when you know they're having a bad day and say, can I pray for you? And you can see Jesus do miracles. I think because a person chose... So Jenna's a hero here, but Patty, to me, Patty is the real hero because she chose to live a life of freedom instead of bitterness. Too often, the first thing you hear about somebody is the thing that made their life bitter or a tragedy instead of Jesus who made her life worth living and gave her freedom and forgiveness. Isn't that an amazing thing? So let's give Jesus... A big hand. Amen? All right. You guys can sit down. All right. John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Is your light shining? Are you reflecting you, or are you reflecting Jesus? Psalm 139, um, we read that last night. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So you've invited God to come into your heart, shine his light everywhere. And now I charge you and your leaders charge you to reflect Jesus to the world. There's a lost and hurting world out there that desperately needs Jesus, the love of God that you have. Don't hold it in. Don't cover it up with you. Be a bright reflector to the world who desperately needs him. In Matthew 5, once again, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father.
Amen. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you that Jesus stepped out of eternity. He stepped out of the bright light of heaven. He stepped out of his glory and became one of us and lived among us because he loves us so much. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. We thank you for being the true light, the light to this world. We thank you for causing us to become whole and healed as we yield our lives to you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising again so that we might be made whole, that we might have peace with God. Help us to reflect you, Jesus, to a world that's lost and hurting and desperate for truth and desperate for hope and desperate for something to live for. They don't want to live for a cause. They want to live for a person. That's you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. song, I want you to sing it with the thoughts of who do you need to simply say, I love Jesus too. Who do you need to reach out to this week? Friend at school, friend at work, family at home. Where are you shining your light this week? We've had incredible encounters today, letting Jesus work in our life, incredible encounters tonight, letting Jesus work in our life. Stay here. We want to go beyond here. That's the whole point. Let's go beyond. Who are those people? If you don't have any of those people, 